Welcome to this week's sermon from the Willoughby United Methodist Church. It's my privilege this morning to represent the Staff Parish Relations Committee and introduce Pastor Christopher Liberati to you. A Northern Ohio native, Pastor Christopher grew up all along the North Coast and graduated from Firelands High School in 1986. He proudly served in the United States Army from 1986 to 1990. While home on leave in 1989, he met his beautiful bride, Connie, who's sitting here in the third pew. He has commented that saying yes to her asking him out was the best decision he ever made in his life. They were married in 1991 and lived around the Columbus area for the first 20 years of their marriage. Connie at that time worked for a prominent family in New Albany, and Pastor Christopher ran a successful construction company. Pastor Christopher gave his life to Christ in the spring of 2005. In that same year, on Christmas Day, their son Anthony was born. A calling would fall on Pastor Christopher's heart in the spring of 2006, and as a result, he went back to college to finish his business degree at Mount Vernon Nazarene University. He continued the pursuit of the calling by attending Ashland Theological Seminary, where he graduated in 2012 and was fully ordained in 2016. His passion is for the unchurched, and his gifts are being able to meet people where they are, finding common ground to connect with them so that they may connect with Jesus Christ. So let's welcome Pastor Christopher, Connie, and Anthony Liberati. That may be the most uh, applause I'll get for a while. <laughs> so, th so thank you. Thank you from the beginning. And what an honor and privilege it is to, to think of ministry this way, that the bishop and the cabinet have, have given me a passport into your lives, into your church community, into the community of Willoughby to serve you and to serve Christ and to know that we're in this together. So I think it's exciting um, to have that opportunity. I hope you'll uh, be patient with me and, and allow me to give, or just to give me an opportunity to uh, um, grow and flourish with you as we explore this adventure called, called being a disciple. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this up front um, because I had to say it in the message uh, at the earlier service. So if I don't get feedback from you like amen, hallelujah, pray, preach it, brother, or something like that during, during the message, like I'll think you have fallen asleep and I'll just keep going on and on and on. Okay? So I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. We're, we're going to have fun together. And I love, I love being in ministry. Um, I love serving Christ and serving others, and I love sharing the good news. So I hope you uh, are excited as I am for this opportunity. We've already been here a week uh, in the community, and uh, I got to admit we're falling in love uh, already. So thank you for the opportunity to be your pastor. Um, I know that I'm going to be here for at least a year unless unless you tell the bishop otherwise. So, so uh, thank you for allowing me to, uh, 
to be here. And I know, I know that uh, I wouldn't, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I know I'm following a pastor that was dearly loved here. And he's shared with me how much uh, you've been generous to him and how blessed he was by your community. And uh, he, he told me to uh, receive that blessing as well. And so I, you know, anytime there's a pastoral change, we're always uh, building upon what the previous pastor has done, and I know he's done a lot of good things. And, and I want to I offer a round of applause for the work that he's done bringing us to this point. Amen? All right. I think, it, I think it's time to worship. Amen? All right. I always love I always love a holy buzz in a church where there's uh, laughter, chatter, and all of that, and and I love the fact that I have to uh, speak up to kind of bring us back to worship. That that tells us that uh, we're alive. Amen? Amen. I wanted to take an opportunity to invite the uh, children to come up, and and I'll share a quick word with them, and then Paul will take them on to uh, children's chat time. So come on up. Don't be don't, don't be afraid. I won't bite, I promise. Come on up. Come sit with me. Why, everybody looks so nice and comfortable today. You guys excited to be here today? Yeah? So I'm Christopher. I'm Pastor Christopher. And uh, you guys will get to know me over the weeks and months and, and years ahead. And you're going to know that I have like a really weird sense of humor. Um, that's because I'm like a child at heart. But you know, God calls us to be children at hearts, no matter how old we get, to have faith like children have faith. Like you have faith, right? You have faith that your mom and dad are going to wake you up in the morning and they're going to feed you breakfast and they're going to give you the right clothes to wear and they're going to get you to that school school on time. I know it's summer. We're not supposed to talk about that. But that's having faith, right? I'm almost in kindergarten. You are? Do you know I was in kindergarten a long time ago? Care to guess how long? Yes, and I have pancakes for breakfast today. Ooh, that sounds good. You had waffles? You guys had more breakfast than I had. I had one little cookie. Oh. So That's I, a dessert. Yeah, that is a dessert. But it'll bridge the gap. So what I wanted to talk about today is, is faith and having faith like you have faith. I think for all of us that if we can just trust that God is up to something amazing every day of our lives then we can live like an adventurous life. Because I believe, I personally believe, there's two greatest days in our lives. You know what the first one is? Take a guess. Today. Today, yeah. Yeah, well, that would be number three. So, so the, the greatest day so far is the day that you're born, right? Does everybody have a birthday? Right, everybody has... Yeah, have you, have you all had birthday cake? Isn't that the best day ever, right? And you get presents? 
Well, the second best day is the day that you figure out what God has put you on this earth to do. It's called a calling. And so my job as a pastor is help you to remember and celebrate those days in your life. The day that you were born, your birthday, to sing you happy birthday on your birthdays, right? And then to also help nurture a call to help you understand what God is calling you to do and how God is going to use you in his world. Amen? Can we pray about that? I tell you what, I'll, I'll start and you follow, okay? Can you do that? Dear God, dear God, thank you for giving us two great days. And we look forward to the day that we can understand what you are calling us to do in your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to give and be a part of your movement in this world. We pray your blessing upon these gifts and these givers as we seek to join you in mission to the world in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stay standing uh, for the reading of the gospel according to John. And as you uh, will come to find out that I like to pray uh, before I, before I uh, read from Scripture and before I preach. So if you would take on a posture of prayer, please. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, that you would open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to receive the whisper of your voice and the message. And we pray the meditation of our hearts and the words of my lips would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our message today comes from the Gospel according to Luke, in chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. Hear these words. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, this, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and, I, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Thanks be to God. Please take a seat. I want you to get comfortable, but not too comfortable, if you know what I'm saying. Um. I, uh, I appreciate an uh, energetic congregation that provides feedback 
not just after the service, but during, you know. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm saying something that speaks to your heart, it's okay. I want to give you permission up front to say amen, hallelujah, preach it. Um, if you have rotten tomatoes, leave those at the door. Okay? All right. Now, in, this, in the passage that I read, oh, I just, like, okay, so this is, don't start your watches yet, okay? Because this is, this, is, this is a kind of interesting. Uh, at the last church I served, I had a dear saint come up to me at the uh, 815 service, the early service, and she said, uh, I just wanted to give you this, this ribbon. She goes, I earned it, and, uh, and I, want you to take it, I want you to take it with you as a reminder that I am praying for you and that I know where you're going. So the ribbon is from Willoughby United Methodist Church. Reaching out in service and love. Willoughby United Methodist Church, 15 Public Square, Willoughby, Ohio. Her name's Barb Latica, and uh, I think she grew up in this church and, and now uh, is a member at Strongsville. So. I just want to let you know that God has got his fingertips all over this, okay? So if, if you would just maybe relax and, and just be ready, I think God is up to something good. Amen? Amen? All right. So the passage I just read, I just want to start out with saying that this has got to be more than just a ghost story. Because if it's a ghost story, well, it's either crazy or it's full of power. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I, if I had to be honest, there's sometimes that I make fun of other people and what they believe. You ever do that? Am I alone in this? I won't ask you to raise your hands, but, but sometimes I think collectively we can make fun of what other people believe. I mean, have you thought about it? Have you ever thought about worshiping rocks and dirt, worshiping created things as opposed to worshiping the creator. Now I want you to think for a moment. That kind of seems silly, right, in our eyes, but, but think about what the world might view of us, what they think of us Christians. After all, we worship a dead guy, right? Right? We worship a dead guy, and if that isn't bad enough, we worship a dead guy that claimed to be God. Not claimed to be equal with God, but claimed to be God. That is pretty crazy to some. We worship a dead guy, a dead guy that rose from the grave. That's where lies the power. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, but we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God. The resurrection is the power and wisdom of God revealed to the world. Jesus' resurrection is the very power of God. Did you hear that? On full display for the world. Think about that power for a moment because Jesus overcame death and promise to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can have faith that with Christ we can come, overcome whatever the world or even the bishop throws at us. Okay? 
Now, if that resonated with you, uh, yeah. someday, maybe a year from now, we'll laugh at that. But, but I want to give you a solid example. Growing up, I, I was abandoned and betrayed by my biological father. And I would suffer from despair, not, never hearing the words that I believe we all long to hear from our, our fathers. And those words are, I love you. I am proud of you, and you are good at, right? And that's biblical. Jesus comes out of the water, and a voice from heaven says, This is my son, my beloved. I love him. Listen to him, because he's got great things to say, right? I'm proud of him. So I think that's one of our core longings, and and I had grown up without hearing that. It would shake my very confidence I give you a quick story about one one Christmas. I was about eight years old, and we couldn't get to his house on Christmas Day. So, the day after Christmas, my mom drops me off, and of course, I couldn't just walk into my biological father's home. I had to knock on the door, and so I knocked on the door, and he he finally came to the door, and and instead of saying, "So good to see you," or welcome. He said, you're late. You're late. Well, come in anyway. And so I came in and, and eventually he took me into the living room where two neighbor boys were playing with an electric race, slot car racetrack, that, the very one that I had requested for Christmas. And he put his arm around me and he said, now son, if you would have been here on Christmas Day, these toys would have been yours. But since you couldn't, I had to give them away. That kind of betrayal would shake my confidence and create a void in my life, in my very core, that no material thing could ever fill. Drugs and alcohol could only numb the pain and mask the symptoms of a deeper issue, betrayal from the one who was supposed to love me. I often wondered, as a child growing up, how could God allow such pain to land on the heart of one of his children? It wasn't until I experienced the resurrected Jesus that I began to experience healing and hope. It wasn't until I learned that Jesus, too, was betrayed. Betrayed by Judas over a quick payday. Have you ever been betrayed? Betrayed by a spouse, a diagnosis, a job loss, a death, or something else? I want you to hear these words today that Jesus too experienced betrayal. Betrayed by Jesus. Betrayed by someone who was supposed to love him. Someone he was supposed to love and did. Not only was he betrayed, but he was denied. Denied by Peter. Peter, the, the person that he would eventually build, Peter the rock, that he would eventually build the church upon. Jesus left for dead as the eleven would scatter and run for their lives. Or how about this, Pilate challenging Jesus to see if he'd cop to a plea deal, finding no fault, and no ability for Jesus to take the bait, 
Pilate would have him scourged nearly to death, only to turn him over to Jesus' external family, you know, the church, to have him crucified. Betrayal runs deep. These are some of the things that Jesus endured on the way to the cross. The trials that you're going through today, I guarantee you that Jesus has experienced that same depth. So if you're discouraged this morning, you need to go back to the cross. You need to go back to the cross because there's nothing in this life that you're going to go through that Jesus hasn't already gone through himself. There's nothing in this world that Jesus didn't experience himself on the way to the cross or even on the cross itself. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. None of this matters. That cross doesn't matter unless there's a resurrection. Amen? Because that cross becomes futile if Jesus doesn't conquer death and raise is raised from the dead. Why? Because in the resurrection we find the power of God. In the resurrection we find the power to be healed. In the resurrection we find the power for forgiveness, for hope, for purpose. Jesus did experience every point of pain and suffering that we've endured in this life. And because of the power of the resurrection, he gives us that power to grow beyond our circumstances. You see, in the resurrection, we can find healing. I'll never forget my experience at the walk to Emmaus where I had four men praying over me, asking God's forgiveness for my biological father and praying a blessing that God would bless us with a child. And walking away from that experience, offering my life to Christ for the first time and coming home and stopping short of of being at home and, and having to pray in a church parking lot for strength to face my wife because, you see, I had realized in that moment I hadn't, become, I hadn't been the father that God, or I hadn't been the husband that God had called me to be. And before I could even say hello, as I walked through the door, my wife ran up to me and gave me a hug because she could see a difference in me. She could see the light of Christ in me. That's real resurrection power. And then, on top of that, after sharing... Right before we go to bed, I said, I've got to read something from Scripture. Now, you've got to understand that, like, I hadn't really done that before. Sure, I had read the Bible, like any good book. You start at page one, get to, get to page five, and you're completely, like, out of sorts, and you put it down. But in that moment, I read from Luke 19, verses 9 and 10, that says, the lost has been found, and salvation is coming to this home today. It dropped me to my knees, and I began to weep as I explained to her what that meant. I said, I was lost, and I'm being found, and I'm bringing that salvation home today. 
because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You see, in the resurrection, we can find forgiveness. Forgiveness in the sense that I've come to a point where I've been able to forgive my biological father. All that questioning and pain and anger I had towards God for allowing him to do those things no longer exist in my life. The only thing that I feel is, is a sense of grief that he has missed out on the gift of having a grandson that he has never met. But that's his loss, right? He has no power over me because Christ is now in me. Amen? In the resurrection, we find hope. We can find hope. I'll never forget, I hadn't been at Strongsville very long, and, and uh, I was, it was my turn to lead a Sunday morning, and, and they had this routine of saying, God is good. And I would say, all the time, and they would say, right? Every morning, that's how they greeted the worship. And I, like, I was new, and I forgot, and, and uh, didn't think anything of it. Thursday that week, I'm in my office, and I hear this, Pastor, I need to have a word with you. I'm like, oh boy. And he comes in, and he says, Pastor, I really miss hearing God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Can you please remember to do that the next time you're up front welcoming us and saying good morning to us? And I said, yes, Lynn, I sure will. That night, he was life flighted to UH Hospital. He had passed out, ended up having a brain tumor. And two days later, when I went to visit him, after they had done emergency brain surgery, I walked into his room and his back, he was laying on his side, his back facing me. And I kind of whispered, I said, God is good. And he turned over and he said, all the time. And I said, all the time. And he said, God is good. You see, the power of the resurrection gives us hope. Even in the face of an unimaginable diagnosis, the power of the rex, in the power of the resurrection, we can find purpose. As I shared with the children this morning, I think the two greatest days that we have are, number one, the day we're born, and the number two is the day we figure out what we're born to do. Not what we think we should be doing, but what God has for our lives. It's called purpose, Right? In the power of the resurrection, we can find love and reconciliation. Now, this whole call to ministry thing still amazes me, truly. I had a business, as Margaret had mentioned, I had built it from scratch. And I had all kinds of employees and all kinds of work and was doing quite well. And God says, uh, yeah, you need to set that aside. And I'm like, what? Okay. And then I found out that I had to go back to, to college to finish my bachelor's degree in order to move on to a master's degree. 
And for somebody who barely graduated from high school, that was like a big deal. And so I called Ohio State because that's where I dropped out of. I figured I'd just go back and finish up. And, and they wouldn't even return my calls because I was a non-traditional student, you know, a working adult. And so uh, I was pretty down about that. And somebody in the congregation come up to me in church and he said, Christopher, I, I heard you're exploring a call to ministry. And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, well, let me tell you about Mount Vernon Nazarene University. They have a cohort program, and you can go and be done in 18 months and then move on to seminary. And I'm like, 18 months? Do they not realize I've got this call to ministry and I've got to get busy and, and go serve God's kingdom? So I did. I signed up. And uh, the first night of class, I'm there, and it was, it was really a big pep rally because there was a lot of working adults in the classroom and and they were the the staff were just being cheerleaders you can do this i know it seems hard but you can do this and i happened to look across the room and i thought i saw somebody i recognized and i'm like no it can't be i haven't seen that guy in 20 years since high school and so we left that night we didn't get a chance to explore and find out and that whole week i'm I'm scratching my head thinking, well, what if this is Craig? You see, Craig and I were mortal enemies in high school. I mean, we would actually f fist fight, right? We'd, we'd walk up behind each other and, and knock each other's books out of the... Is, I'm the only one that's ever done that. <laughs> Told you I'm a sinner saved by grace. Um, but it really ex escalated to the point where where he almost lost his life in a, in a near car accident. And that, from that moment on, I never, we never spoke again. So 20 years later, that second week of class, he walks in and I says, Craig, is that you? He goes, Christopher. I was going by Todd back then. He says, Todd? He said, yeah. And before we could catch up, the... The professor walks in and he says, hey, we start, it's time for class. Each time we uh, start class, we start with prayer requests and a devotion. Are there any prayer requests out there? So I raised my hand and I said, I'd like prayers for forgiveness for immature acts of 20 years ago. Wouldn't you know it, I was the only one that raised my hand. Gosh. And so he prayed and we started class, and halfway through the class, there was a dinner break. And at the dinner break, Craig and I got to catch up. And we were talking about where we had been. He had joined the Air Force, moved out to California. I had gone into the Army and was in Texas. And for somehow, some reason, God had allowed our lives to intersect in that class. And during the next six months, we started to build a friendship. We were reconciled. And about six months into the program, I get a call from his wife. I was doing some work, and uh, his wife said, Craig's in the hospital. He's had a stroke. I dropped what I was doing, and I went down to the, the OSU hospital and walked in, and he was in a semi-conscious state. And all I could think to do was to pray for him and to pray with his wife. And I promised her I'd come back and visit. So the next day, I went down and and visited, and she met me out in the hallway before I went into the room, and she goes, you just, Christopher, you would not believe the 
the impact your visit had on Craig. He's making huge improvements. Thank you for coming. He really needs this. And I said, I think I need it more. And we walked in and and uh, we, he was sitting upright and able to converse and we were talking and about 20 minutes went by and then all of a sudden he, got, he went quiet. He got a little embarrassed and I said, Craig, what's wrong? I thought my joke didn't go over well or something, I don't know. But he says, uh, I have to go to the restroom. And it was a pretty good sized room and I, I said, well, either I can, I can leave the room and give you some privacy or I can help you across the room to the bathroom. He says, let's let's go let's try this let's try this so imagine you're two six foot one 200 plus i won't say how many pluses but 200 plus guys bear hugging each other chest to chest that's the kind of god we have right and we're waddling across the room doing what i like to call the two-step two-stroke tango because I was doing most of the work, dragging Craig across the room. We get to the throne and, and his wife pulls his shorts down and I set him down and I'm leaning against the, the wall trying to cr- catch my breath. And I look down and Craig's got these huge crocodile ears, tears rolling down his cheeks. I immediately thought, oh man, we didn't make it. I said, Craig, what's wrong? He goes, I just can't believe you're here helping me like this. And I said, well, a funny story, Craig. On the way down here, I was listening to this sermon about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And the whole point is that we're we're here to serve. And if I can't be here and serve you in your time of need, then I failed to miss what Jesus was teaching. The good news is, Craig made a full recovery and we walked across the stage together graduating because God is good and all the time we find power power in the resurrection so I ask you this question in light of this power what is our response what could possibly be our response. And I think it's found in verse 47, which says this, that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in, the, in Jesus' name to all nations. That's our response, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that he did overcome death and the cross for the sake of having power in and through the resurrection. That's our response. And the reason I chose Ecclesiastes is because there's no better time. We're living in a world that is still hungry to hear the good news. It's like a secret that's been kept and it needs to be unleashed. I have a friend of mine who's a beautician and she sees that chair, the one that goes up and down and swirls around, as her ministry field. And she, she well, a while back she told me, she goes, Pastor, she says, I try to witness as, as often as I can. She goes, but I gotta tell you, people get really antsy in that chair. And I said, praise the Lord. 
right? Because the day they stop getting antsy, that's the day we have to worry. There's power in the resurrection. That's our response to tell the world. The world that thinks we're crazy for worshiping a dead guy. That he is indeed risen and alive. That we can find power in the resurrection to change our lives. That in the resurrection we have been forgiven and freed to live. Because Jesus lives, we have the power to change our lives through the Holy Spirit. Because He lives, we have the power to not only forgive, but to be forgiven. Because He lives, we have the power to be healed and to offer healing to others. Because He lives, we can find purpose. Because He lives, we can not only receive love, but offer love. Because he lives, we can live. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like to contact the church for more information or to speak with one of our pastors, please call us at 440-942-9068. Background music for this recording provided by bensound.com.